This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze Radio Network where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. It's I've got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I want to start off by talking to you about a big issue that hasn't got much attention in the last couple of weeks. It's an issue between Donald Trump and Angela Merkel and why Donald Trump won and why it's seen as a troubling win around the world for Donald Trump, which I'll discuss We have a discussion on Neil Gorsuch and the Senate confirmation hearings that are taking place this week. And it looks like the GOP is going to go nuclear. And we're going to discuss the principles behind that. We're also going to discuss a couple of infuriating stories, which you might have heard and you might not have heard, about two idiots, morons, dummies. Any word you want to use for these two people are apt on this show where they made references, horrific references to 9-11. And lastly, we're going to talk about, in the last segment, we're going to talk about, because next week is Easter, and I have a few thoughts about that and looking forward and what we need to do as a people and what I want to try and do. But let's dig in to the first topic, shall we? I hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing weekend. Opening weekend of baseball was fun. Yankees lost again. It's I don't know what it is about the Yankees. It's like I have all this anticipation for uh, opening day and then all of a sudden pfft, lose. But you don't care about that because, as you all know, the Yankees suck, which is not true. That's fake news. But on to serious topics, everyone. So a couple of weeks ago, and I've had this story to share for a couple of weeks, but just issues haven't allowed the time to discuss it. If you've listened to the show, I did segments earlier in the year talking about free trade, and I tried to break down why free trade is a good thing, and I shared stories about breaking down economic principles. I am a purist, an ideologue, any of those words that you want to call in a demeaning way, someone who believes in in an idea. I believe in free trade. I believe 100% in free trade. It's a principle I believe in. And I'm going to try and make some of a bigger argument for free trade today in a couple of minutes to give you an example of what I, why I am such a purist on free trade. But there's a group called the G20. You might have heard of it. And the G20 is basically an international forum 
where all the world's leading industrialized economies come together and, and they meet. They've been meeting since 1999. However, a big change happened around 2008 after um, the Lehman Brothers failed. It didn't. It was normally um, financial leaders, the finance ministers of all the countries, coming together, sometimes formally, sometimes informally, just discussing the issues of the day. But around 2008, and Lehman Brothers collapsing, it sort of changed more to the heads of state rather than the finance ministers. Who is in the G20? Let me give you some examples. These are not just third world countries. These are the following members of the G20. And a lot of these, you would say, are somewhat of an ally to America. I'll go through the list, and this is in alphabetical order. Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Turkey, United Kingdom, America, China, and South Africa. So there's quite a few allies just looking through the list. Australia's probably an ally of America. Uh, Canada, France, Germany, um, India, Italy, Japan, um, South Korea, England. So it's, it's you know, there's a lot of people um, that are, you know, somewhat friendly to America and America is somewhat friendly to them. You can judge in your own mind how much of an ally they are and that's a, discu- a discussion for another day. Now, I'm not here to debate the merits of the G20. I am not a a huge fan of these organizations because they generally tend to make rules and legislation and backroom deals. But I also am a fan of more discussion, not less. And these type of... If you had a forum where they all just discuss things which is best for the country and the world, absolutely. If you want to start making mandates, I've got a big problem. I don't believe in government bodies like the UN. Again, that's another discussion. But a big change happened in a couple of weeks ago, and it's been hailed in the bit of media that I've seen as a win for Donald Trump. And what was the issue that was hailed as a win for Donald Trump? So if you listen to Donald Trump and you've listened to him during the campaign and you've listened to him at different times in his short presidency, it's clear he's not a fan of open or of free trade. It's clear. I don't I've heard people say, well, he just says these things. I um don't know anyone who is believes in free trade and will then talk about protectionist policies. Angela Merkel, the PM of Germany, is currently the head of the G twenty. And the right when they were meeting, if you remember in DC, there was a lot of tension behind the scenes. It was a very awkward press conference because Quite honestly, Donald Trump said some things that needed to be said about open borders. And it was very, very interesting watching the dynamics of that. And it was very uncomfortable to watch at times. And you might remember, if you, you might have seen some of the videos where he pretty much refused to shake her hand in the Oval Office. And just there, stood there smiling. She reached out and people were saying, shake her hand, shake her hand. And he just smiled and did nothing. It was a very interesting, you know, tense move. But behind the scenes, there was a debate going on, because the G20 were meeting. And basically, the outcome of that meeting is something we need to discuss. Because the financial leaders of the G20, in a win, in a, in a, a decision that's seen as a win for Donald Trump, by the way, have decided to drop a pledge to global free trade, and have appeared open to more protectionist policies. 
This all happened after a two-day meeting failed to yield a compromise. And it's breaking a decade-long tradition of endorsing open trade. This was seen, this is the way the media reported, I'm reading from Reuters, it was seen as a clear defeat for host nation Germany, which fought the US government's attempt to water down past commitments. In the new US administration's biggest clash yet with the international community, G20 finance chiefs also removed from their statement a pledge to finance the global fight against climate change. That is a win. So there's good and there's bad. Because, as I, and I'm quoting from the article, um, Donald Trump called global warming, global warming a hoax. So there is some good and there is some bad. The reason I want to talk to you about free trade, I want to give you an example of free trade. The reason I am a purist on free trade, and one of the things I, I'm trying to do with the segments I did earlier in the year, and I've got more planned post-Easter, is because economics today is is a discussion that is all based around the collective. Anytime you hear economists talk, and just even think about this the next time you can sit through an economic segment on anywhere, on Fox News, on MSNBC, on CNN, on a lot of places, and listen to the way the economists talk. They talk in a very collective mindset. They talk in, well, you know, People under 25 are doing this with their buying habits, or people, you know, Generation X are doing this, and and people are not buying houses as young as they used to. They're now getting into their late 30s and, and early 40s. Or people are not buying as many houses, they're more renting. Or people are not having as many kids as young. They always speak about the collective. They never, ever speak about the individual. They even talk about in bracket bands. Well, you know, those earning under $40,000 have have the an average $500 worth of savings. Whereas those over a million have a hundred grand's worth of savings. They never, ever, ever even discuss the individual. Free market economics is not about the collective. It is about the individual. And let me give you an example. A very simple example. So, I'm an Irish guy, right? You know what I stand for, you know what I believe in, you know some of my hobbies. So, I have, I have a job, it pays me money, and out of that disposable income I go, you know what, I want to make a couple of purchases. I want to make a couple of purchases where I have some disposable income. What do I want to do? Okay, you know what, one of the things I want to do, I want to go... And I want to buy MLB TV because I love the Yankees. And I want to watch the Yankees as much as possible. So I go on to MLB.com and I look, click on the little TV icon up the top. And I go, buy. It's like 130 bucks a year, I think. And it gives me access to every Yankee game that I want. And I can choose the different commentaries. Awesome. What else do I want to buy? Well, you know what else? I, I love sports, but you know, there's something I talk a lot more about. I, I love the Blaze. So I go to theblaze.com, go on to TV, and I'll sign up for a yearly subscription, or in my case, renew a yearly subscription to the Blaze. And I think that's I think that's $99. Wonderful. What else do I want? Because there's the Blaze TV and I've got MLB TV. Do you know what else I'd love? You know what else? I really, really love. CC Sabathia. 
Yankees pitcher. Really love him. I want to buy a jersey with his number on the back. Number 52. Okay, cool. So I go on to the sports, whether I go to MLB.com or I go to a different outlet and go, hey, I want to buy a CC Sabathia jersey. Wonderful. Pinstripes. Ship it to me. And I go on to glenbex.com website and I go, you know what? I have it on my Kindle, but I haven't actually got the hard copy yet. I want to buy Liars. Great Glenn Beck book. But I want to buy the hard copy because I only have it on my Kindle. And I go on to glenbeck.com and I buy that. Free Market Economics says, you know what? John, you have money, you, you go for it. You want to buy Glenn Beck's book and a CC Sabathia jersey and you want to buy the Blaze TV and, and Yankees baseball TV, go for it. It's your money. You can do it. Open and free trade. When you believe in a tax, a protectionist policy and tariffs policy, me wanting to buy those things depends on what people consider the relationship between the Irish people as a whole and the American people as a whole. The idea that I have, to, I want to buy, let's just take one of those. I want to buy the Blaze TV. The fact that people are now okay and say, you know what, John, you can't just buy the Blaze TV. I know you might like Glenn Beck and what Glenn Beck has to say and, and the service he offers, but it's not just as simple as that. You know, what do the Irish people as a whole think of America? Because, you know, John, we don't like Donald Trump. Uh, okay, and your point exactly is. Ireland doesn't like Donald Trump. What has that got to do with me buying the Blaze TV? Well, we don't like you know what he has to say. Again, what has that got to do with me buying the Blaze TV? In America, Donald Trump might go, you know what? I don't like the way Irish people are going into America illegally. I actually wish he'd say that. I wish he'd actually talk about that more stronger, but that's a side point. I don't, I don't like them. They're not helping me. So I'm going to have a tariff. What has this got to do with me buying the Blaze TV? What exactly has all these irrelevant points got to do with me buying the Blaze TV? And the outcome might be this. Which people are seem to accept as an acceptable outcome. Instead of me paying Glenn Beck $99 for a yearly subscription to the Blaze, I might have to pay... Let's just use the the figure Donald Trump used in the election. A 40% tariff. And I might have to pay the US government that, or I might have to pay the Irish government that. Because that's what a tariff is. So instead of paying $99, I end up paying just under $139. That is the outcome when you don't believe in free trade. So basically, I have a service that I'm buying that's worth $99 and I'm willing to pay it. But because the collective group of people said, you know what, we don't like that country. We don't want to do business with that. We want to stop you buying that. And guess what? I basically have to pay a tax of, even if it's 20% of $20. And here's the biggest problem. Because what people will tell you who support some type of protectionist policies well, John, what we want you to do is we want you to, to take that money that you would have spent and go find a cheaper alternative. Can you tell me what the cheaper... Okay, so I can't spend $100 on, on the Blaze TV. What cheaper alternative am I going to buy? 
What cheaper alternative? What, am I going to go all of a sudden go buy RTE News, the Irish news outlet? That's free, by the way, because we pay taxes for it, and we're not even given an option to buy it. But what am I going to do, buy their service and expect to get the same quality? Oh, well, you know, you can buy a different book. You don't have to buy Liars. There's plenty of books about progressives written by Irish people, right? (laughs) No, unless you want to hear about how progressives are wonderful. Not really. Well, you know, you don't have to buy that Yankees jersey, John. You you can buy another person's jersey. You know, you could buy an Irish football jersey. But I'm a Yankees fan. But yeah, but, you know, you can buy, you know, Bohemian's jersey. A football, Irish football team. But how can, why would I wear an Irish football shirt when I'm cheering on the Yankees? But it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's what happens. This is the problem, as I see it, when people argue against free trade. Free trade is not about the collective. When you have in America a paradigm which the left and the right usually used to believe in, there were very different. There was many differences ideologically between the old-fashioned left and the old-fashioned right in America. One of them was the belief in the individual. One believed in the collective. One believed in the individual. It's truly upsetting when I have members and friends on the right who don't believe in the individual or who think they do but are proposing policies that don't. Again, I asked my friends, using that example, what has an Irish person's want, who has disposable income, who wants to buy Glenbeck's book, Glenbeck's Blaze TV, MLB TV, whatever it is, what has that got to do, my want and need and desire to buy them? What has Ireland's relationship, Ireland's opinions and thoughts on Donald Trump, or Donald Trump's thoughts on another country, or any person's thoughts, have to do with me wanting to buy that product. That is what free trade is about. Just think about that over the next couple of weeks. And also, watch the TV and watch the economists talk. Do they ever, ever talk about the individual? Even right-wing economists don't talk about the individual a lot. Some do. There are some very good economists out there. There are some very good institutes who talk about free trade. Um... Mises.org is one of them. I read their stuff all the time. I love them. I don't agree with everything that's written in there. But they are very good on economics. There are plenty of places to find. Even Cato. Again, I don't agree with a lot of what Cato says on different topics. But it gets you thinking. There are people who talk about free trade in the individual. This is the conversations we I think we need to have. And highlight the solution. Because call me a, a radical, call me a nutjob, call me an ideologue, call me a purist. I still believe less government is best. I still believe in the old Ronald Reagan joke. The most terrifying phrase that you can ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I still believe that. Do my friends on the right still believe that? Or have we got caught up in a uh, what was it? A nationalist, populist, and agrarian movement, where we just leave our principles on the side. I think we need to make the argument to our right friends, not our left friends, for a time. I got to take one quick break, America. 
when I come back, I want to talk to you about the Senate going nuclear. <gasps> that can't be good, or can it? Or maybe it's not good. Tune in for after this break, and I'll tell you whether it's good or not. I'll be right back, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on social media at Twitter, at Freedom Disciple, Facebook, at Freedom's Disciple, or Jonathan.Dunn58. Get in touch, send me a message, send me a friend request. I love engaging with you, even when we don't agree. Uh, I always have wonderful discussions with you all, and if you disagree with something I said, please let me know. So, as of this recording, it looks like the GOP are going to go nuclear. At some stage this week. I think it's supposed to be around Friday, they're saying. Friday morning. And according to CNN, that it looks like the GOP are going to go using the so-called nuclear option to break a Democratic filibuster of Supreme Court nominee Neil Gorsuch. The controversial changes to Senate rules made along partisan lines allows filibusters of Supreme Court picks to be broken with only 51 votes rather than 60. Basically... I want to talk to you about the part of this that really troubles me. But let me give you some history first. Because people will say, what is a filibuster? What, what is it? How does it do it? Where does it come from? So let me give you the history on a filibuster before I share what exactly troubles me about this. And basically, a filibuster is a procedure used to delay or totally block legislation... It comes from a Dutch Dutch word, meaning pirate, and it became popular around the 1850s. In the early U.S. Congress, representatives of both houses could actually filibuster. However, as the House of Representatives grew in numbers because your population grew because you added states, the revisions to the House rules are made so that there was a time limit on your debate. But the Senate, because it was only two senators from each state and you would always have a smaller body, 100 compared to 450 today, unlimited debate was allowed. There's a long history, it goes back to 1841, when there was a filibuster about um, a bank bill. It's gone all the way through to today where a lot of conservative people are known partly or somewhat because of their filibusters. I'm talking about Ted Cruz's, I think it was 23 hours, and Rand Paul's, I think it was 13 hours. It was also amazing to watch both of those and actually live those at the time because it wasn't just thinking, 
well, I'm just going to talk for 23 hours and I'm going to talk BS. They actually talked a lot of substance and it was actually refreshing to see some of the substance come out from both of those two individuals on the Senate floor. I'm going to read from the Senate.gov. Three quarters of a century later in 1917, senators adopted a rule, Rule 22, at the urging of President Woodrow Wilson that allowed the Senate to end the debate with a two-thirds majority, a device known as cloture. The new Senate rule was put first put to the test in 1919 when the Senate invoked cloture to end the filibuster against the Treaty of Versailles. Even with the new cloture rule, filibusters remained an effective way to block legislation since a two-thirds vote is very difficult to o- obtain. Let me give you some actually history, which you might find interesting. This is not just since the 1850s. People have been doing this for a very, very long time because it's a parliamentary trick. And actually, there's one of the earliest practitioners of the filibuster, a bit of history for you just so you know, that maybe not a lot of people know, is it goes all the way back to ancient Rome where there was a young Roman senator called... The names are always so funny when you read history. I don't know if you find that. Cato the Younger. There was Cato the Younger. <laughs> you know, it's not Ted Cruz or Rand Paul. It's Cato the Younger. And he would uh, often filibuster, quote-unquote, legislation he opposed. Because back then in the Roman Senate, there was a rule in the Senate that basically all business had to be done and concluded and signed off and sealed, signed and delivered by dusk. By dusk. So dusk changes, as we all know, from you know, at different points in the year. And what he would do, Cato the Younger would often filibuster, even though they didn't call it back, that back then, They would he would basically obstruct the bill and talk until dusk. And then because the, the Senate had a rule that you had to have all business signed, sealed, and delivered by dusk, well, he kept talking until dusk, so you couldn't sign, seal, and deliver it. So it would get passed on. So there's a bit of history that some of your friends may or may not know. But what troubles me about this? The part that troubles me about this is the lack of debate. Everyone is caught up in the politics. I I don't even hear, I haven't heard anyone say the following. Even people I admire. Is there a purpose for the filibuster in America today? Is there a purpose to have the filibuster? All I hear is, well, you know, the Democratic Party started this. Mm-hmm. When, since when, using your logic, because if you, a lot of people, and many times they're right when they say something along these lines, nothing ever good came from the Democrats. So if the Democrats start something, that is never a good thing, using your logic, using the logic of many of my friends on the right. So you're using the fact that they never do anything good. You're using what they did as a justification for your decision. Is that usually, just from a step away point of view, is that usually a good thing to do? But the debate isn't whether should they invoke the nuclear option. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying, you know what, the GOP is wrong. I'm also not saying they're right. What really troubles me is, this is going to have a long-lasting impact. And everyone's caught up in the the haze of current-day politics, of what matters today. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know, it's like, 
someone thinking principles aren't eternal and that we just get caught up in man's law and the issues of the day. What's going to be the result? People will focus on the result of this week. Presumably, the GOP follow through what they have at some point in before the end of this week. When you're, when you're listening to this show on Saturday, you will probably have a Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch. But what happens down the road? I don't know, in 2020 or 2024 or 20... Even if it's 2040, 25 years from now. And the Democratic Party, or more likely a new party with a new name, has power. And they have the Senate. And a Supreme Court justice has to be replaced. And they nominate an absolute horrific judge. You know, think a Ruth Gator Binsburg or a, a Sotomayor, and they nominate someone like that. And all it takes is 51 votes. And the GOP, or more likely a new party, because I don't see either of them lasting that long, wants to filibuster, but they can't, because in 2017, just to get one justice across the line, Neil Gorsuch, they used a nuclear option. The troubling part for me is, no one wants to take a step back from the issue of the day, and have a reasonable discussion on whether the filibuster has a place in the Senate in 2017, and whether it is a good thing or a bad thing. Also, no one has an appreciation, I'm not saying no one, but it seems, the way I see people talk, no one seems to want to have a discussion about the principle, and then respect the underlying principle. Because I know, I've, I've had a few discussions privately with a few people, And they've agreed with me, you know, or not that they've agreed with me, but they've said to me, you know what, removing the filibuster isn't a good thing. But it all comes back down to the same statement. Yeah, but then we don't get Neil Gorsuch, and and that's not acceptable. Okay, but you think the principle of the filibuster is a good idea, yet you're you're just willing to let that opinion slide just to get Neil Gorsuch. The troubling part for me is we are setting a precedent for future kids and grandkids and we're not even discussing it. We are not having a reasonable, principled debate on whether it is a good thing or a bad thing. Now, I think Neil Gorsuch will be a fantastic Supreme Court Justice. Don't get me wrong. When the time... When history writes about Donald Trump's presidency, and there's still much to be decided of what is going to be written in those chapters, the appointment of Neil Gorsuch will be one of the good things. But that's not what... This isn't a case of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. This is the lack of debate. And I think... It's something I want to try and change going forward. To have discussions, not about the people, but about the ideas behind it. Because we don't have discussions about anything anymore of a deeper meaning. And when I've discussed this issue with my friends on the right, I have yet to see anyone, and I mean anyone, have or acknowledge the precedent this starts. Or even... 
have come across in their words and their actions, like they understand how this could go against them in the future. It seems we're all just caught up in the issue of the day, and that's Neil Gorsuch. I ask my friends very humbly, and this always annoys them. Some of them are traveling down a path, and I still love them, they'll still be my friends. We just disagree. But I always ask them a question that always annoys them. I've grown up my whole life, my young adult life, following your politics and my whatever I am now, mature adult. Yeah, am I really mature? Oh, that's a that's a tough that's a question for a whole another t- episode. But I've listened and watched the right and the left say this proudly, and the right use it as an insult. The left believes in the ends justify the means. They have a what they want, and they do anything to get it. Is that a path you want the right to follow? Because in discussions with my friends privately, they only want to get Neil Gorsuch elected. They don't pre- and get him to the Supreme Court. They don't care how. If that is your attitude, what makes you different from the left apart from what you're proposing? Do the ends now justify the means? And I ask that question with all humility. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking to put you down. I'm looking to have a discussion with you and kind of go, what is the difference? Because the right, the conservative right that I'm used to all my life, we're the principled ones. We're the good people. We're the people I felt I belonged with. Now I'm not so sure. I get the feeling, I get a growing feeling now, politics, just politics, in America is is becoming is is actually like European politics. That it's left versus right, and that is something I don't join. That is something I avoided in Ireland, in Europe, and I will avoid in America. I will talk to you all day long about principles, but I have no interest in getting involved in left versus right, and it's only about the ends justify the means. Both talk about man's law, both act on man's law, and nothing is based in principle. And this is where I'm going to need your help. One of the things I really struggle with is, I want to talk to you about principles. But anytime I talk about principles, it's always easy to say things like, well, you're preachy. I don't want to be preachy. I want to meet people on the battleground of ideas. But one of the places I'm going to need your help is how do I reach out to these people? Because I don't want to insult people. I don't want to demean anyone, left or right. But I am seeing you becoming so like Europe, it frightens me. And I don't know how to share it with you in a way that is not confrontational. In a way that doesn't get people upset. But is more like me just sounding an alarm. Pointing out the similarities. And trying to do it in the best way possible. This is my thing that keeps me up at night. This is what I'm trying to do. And even though I don't do it in an insulting or demeaning way. Some people still take it that way. So if you have any thoughts on that please let me know. But this is the thing I think I'm going to try and do. I can only speak for myself or only control what I'm going to try and do. But I want to try and break down the issues, the underlying principle, not the surface issue. 
and that is what I think is missing on this debate. I gotta take one more quick break, America. Don't go anywhere, because when we come back, I might lose my head. My head might explode with two topics I want to talk to you. With two idiots, dummies, morons, and I don't insult people very often. You know that if you've been a long-time listener. But these two people are all those words and a lot more. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Zudi Jasser. How many Muslim youth have the strength to take on their parents and say, I feel more comfort in a diverse group of friends. I won't compromise my values. I believe in what those values of modesty, honesty. It doesn't mean you have to compromise that to have friends who make different choices. Reform This On Demand. New episodes posted every Saturday at noon Eastern on theblaze.com slash radio. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn On Demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I'm hoping I'm giving you something to think about and ponder on for the upcoming week. If you've been a long-time listener to this show, you you know I'm, I don't talk about negatively about a lot of people. But there is something I want to address because... When your boss is Glenn Beck, and regardless of your opinions of him, Glenn is a is a wonderful, wonderful man. He is he's kind, he's generous, he's a friend, but he's also very humble. And you've if you've been watching him for the last four years, maybe, three, four years, you've kind of seen him at different times apologize for some of his past antics. Some of some of the stuff he's done. Some of the stuff I've liked, some of the stuff I haven't. But he, anytime he goes over the line, he'll always apologize. And he's apologized to both members of the right who he's offended and members of the left. And the left always listens to the apology, but never kind of understands that maybe they've done something wrong. He's done interviews recently even where, well, there is no one on the left that, you know, went as far as you did. Well, I want to point out a couple of people. I don't know, maybe this is me being a, a grand puppet master or just the way I see the world, but I don't care about left and right. These two people, in an in the way I see a world, in a common sense sane world, where anything makes sense... These two people should be pretty much demonized and ostracized from society. And I don't mean in a violent way, in a get-your-pitchforks way. I just mean no one should offer these two people work ever again. Ever. 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 Again. Because I I don't know how I'm going to get through this segment, quite honestly, but I need to address these two idiots. And I keep using this word, but it it does not go as far as I would like to say. If I didn't have a moral compass and I didn't have rules and regulations of words I cannot, cannot, cannot use on this show, I would go a lot further. 
but it's not who I am. But you think of the worst insulting, demeaning words you can find, and I would apply it to these two people I want to talk about. 9-11 was a horrific day in your country. And dare I say it in the world. It is a horrific day where nearly 3,000 people lost their lives. It is the same as the most recent attack in St. Petersburg, Russia. It is the same as the horrific attacks in Paris, in London. These are horrific days in the history of the world. 9-11 was a day I'll never forget. Nine eleven changed the world. Whether you want to admit it or not, it changed the world we live in. Whether you're an American, whether you're an Irishman, or whether you're a European, or whether you're an Australian. It changed the world. And if you want to call yourself a human, you have to understand that. I don't know anyone who could watch what happened on nine eleven and not get emotional. But as we now, because, you know, well, nine eleven, John was... This year it'll be 16 years ago. It's it's become a distant memory. And it seems when things become distant memories, it's okay to use them for political arguments. It's okay to lose the sensitivity around the 3,000 people dying. Well, in a world that I think has sane and common sense, these two people deserve to be ostracized. If anyone deserves to be ostracized. Especially in a world where we hate people. Who, oh, you're a baker and you don't bake a wedding cake for a gay person. You're hated. You're a vile. You're evil. No, I just don't want to bake a wedding cake. In a world where if you dare believe what I believe in the individual, you're a wacko, a nutjob, and a teabagger. Well, if I'm all of those, the two people I want to talk to you about now are a hundred times worse. Step forward, person number one, Rosie O'Donnell. You vile, sick, twisted person. If you've been unlucky enough to know who Rosie O'Donnell is, she used to be on The View. Anytime, just look at her timeline and you'll get a sense of what an ugly, ugly person this woman is. And just for all the people out there, when I say she's an ugly, ugly person, I don't mean about her looks, I mean her insides. Who she is as a person, her soul. So the other day, a couple of days ago, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, she tweeted out in response to a Neil Gorsuch tweet. So is someone someone waiting to tap in when when you tap out? Because I am up, not not asleep since 11.9 or 9.11. So basically what she has done is she has compared the horrific events of 9.11 where 3,000 people lost their lives. And countless others were affected. Where men and women, where children lost their father, lost their mother, lost their sister, their brother, their uncles. Had a lasting impact on their lives. Not to mention the amount of people who have suffered in the years after 9-11. Who ran down there to be a first responder. And have had breathing problems and and health problems ever since. 
all the thousands upon thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands probably, people who were affected by 9-11. It didn't matter your race. There were black people, there were white people, there were gay people, there were straight people, there were transgendered people, there were young people, there were old people, there were rich people, there were poor people. Everyone was affected by 9-11. And yet, to Rosie O'Donnell, she has the audacity to say nine, to compare 9-11 to an election result? Are you seriously kidding me? To my friends on the left who are so open and, and so tolerant and so, you know, nice... The next time Glenn Beck comes to you and says he's sorry for some of the stuff, you sh- your answer right now should be, well, we're sorry for Rosie O'Donnell. If you have any dignity, honor, or respect, that should be your answer. You don't joke about 9-11, and you sure as hell don't compare 9-11 to a political event of an election of anyone whether it be Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, or even Bernie Sanders, or anyone. It was nice to see some of the tweets that were responded to her. So according to you, Trump's election was the same as people losing their minds. Damn, you need help. Yes, she does. She needs a lot of it. Yes, Rosie, because you not agreeing with our current president equates to the tragedy of 9-11. Wow, just wow. It was nice to see them. There's an article on The Blaze if you want to go check it out. It was up there from earlier in the week. But if that wasn't maddening enough, I don't know which is worse. I want to take you to a story which was in MRC. And I'm going to read something to you because, you know, we're always told that, you know, well, colleges are, are there to test you. Colleges are there to, to get you thinking outside the box. Colleges are there. They're, they're a noble institute. Colleges are wonderful. You know, and if you don't go to college, you're sometimes a, somehow a loser. Or you can never, you know, be as good as, as people who did go to college. Well, you see, that's not quite true because... This, I don't know how I'm going to read this to you, but let's, let's try. So a professor at Iowa State University, Iowa State University, if this guy still has a job, I, I really don't know how. I, I just, uh, <laughs> we live in, a, in, a, in an uncommon sense world. But imagine being the parent of a student who was given this assignment. And I'm going to read a description for you. And it's only a pity I haven't got nice background music or, you know, soothing music in the background, you know, to set the the ambiance for this question, for this assignment. And here, and I quote, this is an assignment that was given to college kids. Write a paper that gives a historical account of 9-11 from the perspective of the terrorist network. In other words, how Al-Qaeda or a non-Western historian describe might describe what happened. Use your imagination and make it as interesting as you like. There is no correct answer here. Just your ability to look at what we consider a heinous action from another's perspective. 
don't worry about the fact you don't agree with the terrorists. The point of the exercise is to consider completely different perspectives. Huh. Actually, with the greatest respect to this idiot James Stroman, who is the lecturer of international studies, there is a correct answer here. And I don't care whether you're an American, whether you're European, whether you're gay or straight, whether you're transgendered, whether you're young or old, whether you're black or white, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're Western or non-Western, whether you're Al-Qaeda or whether you're Christian, whether you're an atheist or a deist or anyone, there is a right answer here, folks. It's not very hard. No matter what way you look at this, no matter what your worldview is, flying a billane into a building and killing 3,000 people is wrong. I'm sorry, maybe maybe I've been preachy here, but there is a right answer. It's called killing innocent people is wrong. Let's try that again, just for all the people out there who didn't hear it. Killing innocent people on purpose is wrong. But is this... You go to college, you pay all the student money, and I don't know how much it is to go to Iowa State. I don't know whether it's a rich college or a poor college, and I don't care. But can you imagine being a parent? Can you imagine even being a student knowing that you sat through this? You have all these student loans. You're going to be in debt for 5, 10, 20 years. And the reason you're paying to have all that debt is to write historical papers, giving a historical account of 9-11 from the perspective of a terrorist? Really? Is that money well spent? Now, if you want to look at it from different points of view, go for it. But let us not think there is no right answer from a terrorist point of view. There is no justification. And it doesn't, this is not about 9-11 or New York or America. There is no justification for hijacking a plane and flying it into a building or into a place where innocent people will die. Knowing innocent people will die. There is no justification for that. Absolutely none. I don't care whether you're an American, whether you're a Russian, whether you're European, any of them. There is very much a right answer. But in this world that has no common sense, that is just totally upside down, this passes as well, this is critical thought, John. This is this is this is this is how we liberal smarty pants think. You know, we look at it from everyone's point of view. Really? Well then guess call me ignorant because I don't want to look at it from the point of view as a terrorist and what they might have thought. Maybe it's just me and maybe I am an, a wacko and a nutjob or a moron or an idiot or maybe I'm just a teabagger or a purist or an ideologue. All those words that people insult me with. I think life is precious. 9-11 was a horrific day in your history and in the world's history. I don't want to compare it to an election result, and I sure as hell don't want to think about what a terrorist might have thought. And I sure as hell 
don't want to be in a world where people write this type of stuff knowing there is no correct answer. Because there is very much a correct answer. But lastly, this is something I would ask you to think about. We need to raise our kids in a way that gives them the courage to stand up for what is right. We live in a world, whether you like it or not, in 2017, where everything is pretty much made permanent. Can you imagine, take the the most innocent person that you know who's a bit naive, who's studying international studies at ISU, and takes and answers that question. And let's say they just followed the guidelines. They used their imagination. They didn't think there was a, a not correct answer. They just went with it. And they made an argument for that terrorist. Can you imagine that person then in 20 years running for government? Can you imagine that if that paper got released? What people would say and think? Even though all they did was follow the requirements. All they did was what their instructor and the professor asked them to do. We need to talk to our future kids and the next generation and make it clear to them that if you don't want to answer something, don't answer it. Because everything you do has consequences in this world. And it would be such a shame in 10 or 15 years or 20 years seeing a good person who just followed what their instructor said and wrote this paper, get destroyed in the media and the culture that promotes this, that sees no wrong in this. But if they happen to be a conservative and they wrote this and they found it, my God, could you imagine the headlines CNN or MSNBC would run? Yet they are the very people who promote this culture. In many ways, we are playing a rigged game. But we need to understand that. And when you understand that, and you understand the game and the platform you're playing, and we raise our kids and future generations to understand that and play it carefully, you can still win. i got to take one last quick break, America. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about Easter and to give you a bit of a, an Easter message and give you some some insight into the world that I see today and what we or what I am going to try and do to change it. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Two thousand seventeen is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy 
it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I really hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you have, please consider sharing it with your friends and your family. We're always looking for new listeners to share a vision of why America is exceptional and why this why this world needs your principles now more than ever. For all our new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. Just so you know, a new show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. And then our short clips, because I know some weeks you're all busy, our short clips are released on a Monday. So you get to you can listen to the full episode all at once, or you can listen to the short clips. Also, just a programming note: there won't be any show next week um, because it's Easter Saturday. But we'll be back the following Saturday, and I've actually got some exciting things lined up for shows for future shows, and I really hope you enjoy them. I want to finish up today's show by talking to you about an opportunity. You know, Easter is always a very self-reflective time for me. Because I'm a Christian. And I always look at the world and self-reflect and ask myself some tough questions. And I ask them every year. And one of the questions I always ask as we approach to Easter is, for those who are not aware of Easter and who are not Christians, Easter is a time we celebrate the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the questions I ask is, I look at the world in whatever year it is, this year 2017, and I look at all the advancements we have. You know, our life has changed so much in the last five years, ten years, fifty years. We're not that far removed. Probably our our grandparents and some people, maybe our great-grandparents, who didn't have electricity. We didn't know what electricity was. From not having indoor plumbing. You know, I look around at the room I have where I do this show. And I look at all the technology or all the things I have in this room that wouldn't have been available 10, 20, 50 years ago. Things we just take for granted. Right in front of me, there's a radiator, central heating. Probably wouldn't have had that 20 years ago. I have my iPad. Wouldn't have had that. The iPad is is just taken for granted, but the iPad's only, what, eight years old? Seven years old? It's incredible. Maybe nine years old, sorry. It's 2017. I look at all the access to, to materials, the internet. 20 years old. Having a laptop, 15, 20 years old. All the stuff I have in my room that I use every single day that, quite honestly, if you took it away from me, 
and said, you can't use that for today, I might freak out. All the equipment we have, it's incredible. All the advancements. You know, even going knowing that we went to the moon. Knowing that in our actually in Dublin right now, I live about twenty five minutes from the airport. One of the big projects happening in Dublin right now is Dublin is because of the tourism and the amount of planes coming in, they're actually building a second runway. I would say it was my great grandparents lived in a world who didn't know what a plane was. They never saw a plane. Because man powered flight hadn't existed. My great grandparents my great-grandparents. Not, well, it was 100 years, 200, 500 years ago. Now I'm talking about three generations ago. Just think about that. And then when I think about all, when I read the gospel and I read the story of history, I always ask myself, how much have we grown as a people? And especially lately, where we don't see the individual. We don't see the spirit of the individual. We don't see their soul. We just see a label. When we look at someone, we don't say, hey, John, is John a nice guy? Is John John a good person? What's his deed? What is his deeds? What's his fruits? Let's judge them by that. What's he like? Is he funny? Is he smart? Is he articulate? Or do we go, well, what's John? What is he? Is he is he a conservative? Is he a libertarian? Is he an ever-Trumper? Is he a pro-Trumper? Is he a millennial? Is he a Gen X or a Gen Y or a baby boomer? Is he good-looking or is he ugly? Is he a Republican or a Democrat? Or a libertarian? Is he rich? Is he poor? Is he middle-class? Is he a homophobe or a transophobe or a sexophobe or a straightophobe? Is he a Christian? Is he a New Testament Christian, an Old Testament Christian? Is he a deist? Is he a Catholic? Is he a Protestant? We don't look at their soul or people's soul anymore. We look as a label. When I look at the history, and we look at all these advancements we have in society, and I look at the how we've evolved since the time of Christ, And quite honestly, in many ways, I don't think we have advanced very much as a people. And that really upsets me. I think right now we have a great opportunity. I think we have a wonderful opportunity in this world. And it's an opportunity to spread freedom. I believe we are on a path right now where there is only two outcomes. And I've said this for the longest time and believed it for the longest time. The road we are on only has two destinations. We will either be freer than we have ever been before. Or we will live in such a tyranny that we will aspire to be the slaves of the 1800s. We have an opportunity right now because... The world is upside down and inside out. 
principles are missing and no one knows they're missed. You look around at the stories that are breaking around the world right now. You have Brexit and the results of that. You have the populist movement of Donald Trump. You have the uprising of Marie Le Pen in France. You have people... Because to leave a place has become popular. So you you had Brexit. Now you have CalExit because California is thinking of splitting into at least two places. You have France talking about leaving the European Union and siding with Russia. And you also have people in Sweden talking about leaving the European Union. A lot of people, if you don't assign blame, if you ask them a question right now on left and right said, the world right now, in April 2017, is it in a good place? And didn't assign blame, didn't say, yeah, the the left suck or the right suck. Just ask them that question. He said, the world we live in right now, are we in a good place? Are we on the right path? I believe a lot of people would say no. Now, we might differ on what the, the reasons for that are. And that's quite possible. But let me be frank with you. About Europe. The European movement. And the European way of life is spreading through this world. An ideology and the battle that Europe has is spreading to America. Is spreading to other parts of the world. And it is left versus right. It is a version of fascism, of socialism, versus populism, and democratic socialism. Let me be crystal clear. They are two sides of the same coin. You can call them whatever you want. It isn't left versus right or or democratic socialism versus socialism. It is liberty versus tyranny, to quote Mark Levin's book. Or if you want to use a historical term, it is freedom of the individual versus utopian statism, which is comes from Aristotle. Not utopia, but statism. The empowering of the state. The opportunity we have right now is everyone... Regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your feelings, regardless of your principles, of your emotions, of your view of the world, the vast majority of people, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, knows we're not in a good place. Things are not right. Now, we can get caught up in the minutia, and we can get caught up in, well, if you just vote a certain way, things will be better. If you just do a certain thing and belong to a certain, the right party, things will be better. I believe the opportunity we have right now is to share an argument that in truth has not been heard in a long, long time. 
to share the principles that not a lot of people know. You know, everyone wants to talk about the young people today and say how much they suck. I'd ask you very, very humbly, how many young people have heard the truth about freedom? How many young people know the real history of of Ronald Reagan? Of what his, not about him, but of his principles. Of how much belief he had in freedom. How many young people know who George Washington is? And I don't mean, yeah, I know the name, but I mean how great a man he was. How quite honestly, maybe maybe I'm just a, a fan, but quite honestly, the greatest human that ever lived that wasn't named Jesus Christ. How many people know the history of Calvin Coolidge? And what a wonderful, wonderful president he was. And how much he helped change America. How many people truly understand the spirit and meaning of your founding documents? How many people, how many young people, actually I I should make this about all people of all ages. How many people actually know who Milton Friedman is? And all his arguments about free market economics and empowering the individual. We have two choices. We either live and sacrifice everything for a free future where the potential is unlimited. Or we keep playing the game we're playing. And we'll end up in tyranny. It's just a matter of how long it will take us. I hope to find a way. I'm searching my brain to find a way to communicate principles, not in a preachy way, not in a demeaning way, but in a way that inspires. Because as much as the world sucks right now, and it really does suck, I still believe in a brighter tomorrow. I still believe in the America's founding principles. I still believe that at some point in time, you guys are going to wake up from your slumber and go, maybe our founders had it right. Let us follow them. Maybe, just maybe, what we did to make ourselves, ourselves exceptional in the first place can be done again. You guys have so much potential. And I know it's not fair, some people don't like when I say this, but the future of the world is riding on what you guys do. Because there is no one else who knows these principles. And if they do, they don't believe in them or don't talk about them. The future is yet to be written. But I believe the opportunity is there for founding principles. For the freedom of the individual. For real freedom. Where you are empowered. Not by government. But by God. To reach your God given potential. And nothing can hold you back. I believe. In the principles. Our principles are the ones that are empowering. Not the principles of of the left. And some of the right today. Where they say you need government. Our message is the one that has the empowering message that says, you don't need anyone. 
You can do it yourself. You can be responsible. You don't need to elect me. You don't need the government's help. You can do it. I believe in you. But we've somehow lost faith in that message. The future is what we make it. The question is, and this is the question I don't know how to answer. My friends on the right who who truly believe in these principles, a lot of you are hurt right now. And a lot of you are are tired. A lot of you got involved in the Tea Party movement of 2010. And have been fighting eight long years to get where you are. And you don't see a change. I can't tell you that you just need to push for another year or another two years or another four years. Or even another eight The battle we have really is going to be a lifelong battle. And I think we need to have long and serious conversations about principles. But do it in an inspiring way, in an empowering way. But also reach out to our friends on the right who are are struggling right now. Who are disengaging. Who are going, I did my part, I'm done. I'm going to go focus on something else. We have to do that. Because the future is what we make it. These are the thoughts I have as we approach each Easter. I'm very hopeful for the future. But I know this, if we don't do it, no one will. And we really will sentence ourselves, our kids and our grandkids to horrific miseries. To a future where they won't have an opportunity. And that is something, I can only speak for myself, that is something I'm not willing to do. I come back to the Ronald Reagan quote. If not you, who? If not now, when? If you're not going to stand up, who will? The belief in our principles and the people who know our principles is shrinking. It may not be fair, it may not be right, but if you're not going to speak up, who will? And if you're not going to do it now, when will you do it? What has to happen? Is it possible for this world to get even worse and then you'll speak up? I really hope that we can find a message that inspires people to start speaking out and acting up. And let us follow the advice of Margaret Thatcher. First we win the argument, then we win the election. I'm going to let other people focus on elections. I have no interest in it. But I'm going to do my best. And I hope you'll join me in winning the argument. And putting forward the arguments against... I don't care what side I go against. It'll probably be both sides, been realistic. An argument for your founding principles. Why principles are eternal. Why a belief in the individual. And why the individual is sovereign. Put put forward these arguments based on eternal God-given principles. And I think we win. I wish you all a very happy and peaceful Easter. For those who are off work, spend some quality time with your family and your friends. For those of you who have to work, I apologize. 
be safe. Stay safe, stay vigilant. And I will see you after the first Saturday after Easter, where we will start a new journey and where we will lay the course and the groundwork for eternal principles. And as always, we finish this show the same way we do each and every week, by dismissing the myth that there are no heroes in society. There are. We salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets, and especially your vets right now, who, all those who are active who might be serving in places that are very dangerous in the Middle East. We thank you and we salute you and we will never forget your service, men and women, and all the families who are surrounding you. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget, America is good. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That is who you are. I will see you in two weeks, America. Godspeed and God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 